Hey, if you're pregnant over 40, I have just the community for you. It's a private community away from Facebook where women just like you come together to meet and support one another during pregnancy. To sign up for the waitlist, go to over40fabulousandpregnant.com forward slash waitlist and be the first to know when the membership is open. I can't wait to see you inside. Welcome to Over 40, Fabulous and Pregnant. I am your host, Jamie Massey, and you're listening to episode 31. If you're looking for pregnancy stories of women over 40, you've come to the right place. Today on the show, we have Bethany on to share her pregnancy journey at 40. In this episode, she shares her IVF story where she had four failed transfers but she never gave up. She also shares her experience with a midwife and how she ended up with a hospital birth. I wanted to thank everyone again for the responses and sweet messages I got on the last show about pregnancy loss. I'm about to start my second cycle after the miscarriage. I feel really good about sharing my story, but I'm also happy to get back to pregnancy stories. I'm going to be pregnant in a few months and hope you'll be joining me in celebrating. And with that, let's get into the show. Bethany, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. And Bethany is on today to share her story at 40 years old. But before we do that, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, definitely. Thank you. So my name is Bethany Gadboyce. I'm from the Worcester, Massachusetts area. And yes, I'm 40. Um, I just had my second at 39 turning 40. And I had my first at 30. And we did struggle with secondary infertility. So that's why it took a bit and a lot of um, challenges along the journey. So I have an almost 10 year old and he'll be one in June. So my two boys, they're now here after a lot of struggle. Will you tell us a little bit about your IVF journey in between 30 and 39? Yeah. Yep. So Oh boy, it's it's been a long road, but around um all right, I won't get into like everything, but I did have a thyroid diagnosis postpartum the first time. So mm. uncovering that kind of led me down this path of health and I became a yoga teacher and I kind of went this holistic health route. Um so finding the thyroid di- diagnosis sort of let me know that there was something going on, you know, at an endocrine reproductive level. I got that managed. I kind of got my health a little bit more, you know, in a good place. And then, so then we were trying to conceive and we were trying naturally. We were doing all the things. And then at the time we had really good health insurance and we're like, you know, IVF exists. Like it's there. So many people have success stories. Why don't we give it a shot? We had a few consultations. We kind of like held off. And this was maybe when I was about... 
36, say. So we kind of like gave the idea a thought back and forth. And then we were like, no, we're not quite ready, whatever. Then we decided, I think in 2019, so that's like, what, three, four years ago now. All right, let's go for it. We do the whole thing. The, the short version is we did four transfers total. I had two egg retrievals, which I swear is like one of the worst things on the earth to go through. <laughs> yeah, they are. So needless to say, we went through it. And for anyone who's gone through it, like my heart goes out to everyone on this journey. Our last transfer was literally right before in March, 2020, right before the pandemic. Mm. So we got the, you know, negative beta or the no number beta and the news of the world. And we're like, okay, this year's gonna suck <laughs> to laugh about it now. But I know people are still in the thick of it. And either way, we just let it go. We said, you know, it didn't work out. Like things happen for a reason to a point, not to be cliche, but we're like, we're just, there's no way we're going to try to make that happen when the world was what it was. Well, like if it still happened on its own, so be it. So yeah, over the course of about two years, we did the four transfers. Mm -hmm. And did you have any miscarriage or losses in between them in those no. years? No. And that's the funny part. So when we had our first son, we we got married in July of that year and got pregnant right away. He was almost a honeymoon baby. So there was no concern with, you know, fertility. Then it was one of those yeah. stories like immediate pregnancy and postpartum was so birth and postpartum was a challenge. And I think my body was like nowhere near ready. It was like, oh no, we are not doing that right now. So I never even could get pregnant. So I, it's so interesting to me, like when I hear mm -hmm. everyone's stories, like either they get pregnant, no problem, but then they have lost, they have miscarried multiple times, or they even go, you know, 16, 24, like pretty long term and lose. And it's like, oh my God, you know, like I almost feel at least I didn't get pregnant in a way because that's so much harder, I, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Uh -huh. But yeah, so I never even got pregnant, never had any miscarriages. There was one with the IVF cycles, like a chemical pregnancy, which kind of means nothing, I feel like. like It's like this false hope in a way, but I was like, oh, maybe my body was trying really hard. Yeah. Um, so that didn't pan out either, but it was kind of like this, oh, well, if it could give some like version of it, then we'll keep going. You know, when you're like in the thick yeah. of it, you try to find... Mm -hmm the sliver of any yes. hope. Uh -huh. So yeah, no pregnancies until just when my baby finally was like, oh, I'm coming now. <laughs> yeah. Did you give up hope? Or were you still trying? It was kind of that trying without talking about it anymore. Like we were always trying. We never got on you know, contraceptives. I, we did birth control for, as part of the IVF cycle, but we never did it as let's just table this, take it completely out of the equation, mm -hmm. peace of mind. We, we didn't even do that. We're just like kind of trusting, but kind of like if it hasn't happened this far, then why would you even bother, you know? Mm -hmm. So we, we had this, I think, sliver of hope the whole time. But like I said, when it did happen, and it, this isn't to also go 
with the whole when you, you know, stop trying it happens thing because I feel like that just people rub that in people's faces so much. I think it just so much had changed in the world and in our personal lives that it kind of made sense when the timing did work out, if that makes mm-hmm. sense to what I'm saying now. So I think I was like grateful that we hadn't given up hope because as I got closer to 40, I was like, well, if it's going to happen, I kind of want it to happen now. I mean, I already have an eight, nine year old and, you know, I don't want him to be like 15, but I know people do that too. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I would say we never gave up hope, but I think it just changed like what was going on in, in our lives, like changed mm-hmm. the level our hope was at, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Will you start with telling us how you found out you were pregnant? Oh, yes. Um, so it was fall of 2021. And I, so this is where fertility is interesting, I feel. I had just resigned from a 20 year corporate job that summer. So it was three months later. And so I had just stopped working from a pretty high stress. Um, job in management. And I decided to homeschool my son that year just to be like, kind of let the the events of the world settle down a bit. You know, 2021, it was still crazy, right? I wasn't really thinking about baby in that moment because so much had changed in my life. So I was a little bit distracted. And of course, that September, Um, My cycle is, you know, late, but that's nothing new in the fertility world. Our cycles are always off and we get hopeful and then, you know, we know what happens. So I'm like, you know, I'll take a test just in case because it just at least gives you that peace of mind. It gives you an answer, whether you like the answer or not. And I took the test. I was about to hop in the shower and I was like, you've got to be kidding me now. It's happening now after all these years, all these cycles we did after trying literally everything. It's happening now. And I was like in disbelief and shock. And then I immediately told my husband, I'm like, come here, come here. And he thinks something's like, what do you need? What's wrong? Like, And I was actually like naked getting into the shower. And he's like, wait, do you want something? I'm like, no, just look, <laughs> look. And he kind of had a similar reaction, like, now? (laughs) Oh, so it was just this bizarre moment of, like, we were so excited and happy, but we were also, like, afraid, too. And we're like, wait, don't get too excited, because then we know you can still have loss. So we're like, let's be carefully happy and excited about it. I feel like now I can sort of, like, let it it out more, because Mm -hmm. luckily I had a you know, healthy pregnancy and delivery and he's a healthy nine month old baby. But yeah, it was such a whirlwind. So tell us about your pregnancy. How was it? This is something I feel passionately and strongly about because when I had my first son at 30, I wasn't active. I was very sedentary, you know, working full time. I hadn't really worked out, you know, I wasn't into like anything that much then. So I had a lot of like body pain and kind of struggles throughout the end of the pregnancy. And now at 40, I've had yoga in my life over six, seven years. I'm a yoga teacher. I've tried to live more holistically, holistic health, like, you know, tried to do all these things to get pregnant. And my pregnancy at 40 was better than my pregnancy at 30. 
And I know everyone's different, but in my case, I was like, okay, there's something there. Like to obviously being more active, being more healthy, being more self-aware, or just a little bit of mindset of like, I'm going to be 39, 40 having this baby and like, I'm going to be good at it. I'm not going to be like falling apart. Like I felt like I was first time around. I kind of felt like at the end, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is hard, you know? Mm -hmm. So I felt great. And obviously not everything was perfect. There was some things, but it was like, for example, in my first pregnancy, I'd swollen up. Like I blew up my face got like full of fluid. My nose spread, my feet were swollen, like just a lot of fluid retention and kind of blew up. In my second, I was way better with hydration and nourishment, nutrients, and that didn't happen. So it was more comfortable in that way. I was more active physically, so I didn't have like the same low back pain and just those sort of like body bodily aches and pains. So I knew how to kind of support myself better. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you were more active. What about your diet? Did you change that also? Yeah, I changed it multiple times. So postpartum, the first time with the thyroid diagnosis, I changed it to clean up. I did like paleo, clean up gluten and dairy just to get the thyroid more managed. And that did help at the time. But since and being on like a yoga kind of spiritual journey, I was trying to, you know, I guess heal my relationship with food and just have a more awareness of nourishment, like truly nourishing the body or even like the female body. Like, what do I need for my hormones? What do I need to have a healthy cycle? Because even with the thyroid, my cycle was kind of a mess. And I think that's the first indication of, you know, how's your hormone health, you know, like that will can help your reproductive health. If you have a picture of your hormones and like what you know might affect it, then it can just give a little insight to, you know, reproduction. And I know a lot more now than when I was going through it. But I think over, you know, the course of 10 years now, I think my reproductive system had been like, kind of, I like to describe it as like, it was just sort of sluggish, and it just needed some sort of like, love and attention and some like good water and like good minerals and you know what I mean so over Mm -hmm. time I got a little bit closer to that and I would say now you know I try to eat as cleanly as I can but I also am married with two boys now in the house and you know reality is life so some days I'm not eating the best it's an ideal to continue to work toward but I do notice that when I'm more consistent about clean eating or just what I know works for my body, I -hmm. feel better all the way around, Mm -hmm. you know, physically, mentally, and my, my cycle will, will show for it too. So yeah, yeah, it's been a lot with the hormones. (laughs) What about, um, were you able to exercise throughout your pregnancy and be active? I was, yes. And I feel proud of about that. Like I just kept moving, even if it was only five minutes. Do so. I'm uh, certified in prenatal yoga, so I do prenatal yoga poses or just movement in general, whatever kind of felt right to my body. And I just kept trying to like keep openness in the belly and the pelvis, and you know, just sort of say like, where does it feel tight? You know, just focus on anything like that. A lot of squatting and kind of movements that would 
almost like look like what birth could look like. And even with all the movement, you know, birth unfolds the way it's going to, because I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm way more, you know, flexible and it'll be easier this time around. Like, no, birth, birth just happens and there's no advice there. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I was able to do it all the way up until I ended up going 41 weeks in a day. Um, And I think I was even slowly moving that week, like even just on the birth ball or, you know, I had a couple yoga props. I was doing things to just kind of keep stretching. So I did it until the very end. Mm Mm-hmm. And what about your medical support team? Did you use the same one you used for your first pregnancy? Uh, So along with a 10-year transformation, I kind of went this whole like 360 and I ended up doing uh, hiring a midwife and I attempted the home birth thing. Mm -hmm. So I I did really well. You have to say, like, my first was hospital. My second was hospital, too. But I did home birth at home almost completely. And then we did end up transferring at the end. But I found this amazing midwife. She knew her stuff. She had a great team, an apprentice midwife. The best part about it, like, whether he was born at home or not, is that I received such better care. And I received so many visits and they come to your home. So I had all these home visits and that's during pregnancy. But then postpartum, I had six visits and we don't get that with, you know, mainstream OBs. So that alone was completely worth worth it to me. But I did have a really good hospital delivery with him. So I can't, I call it the best of both worlds. But mm-hmm. yeah, I went the midwife route. And I would say if people can afford that or just do it for they don't look at you. Um, they don't look at you like, oh, look, you're 40, you're geriatric. There's more risk. They they treat you like a whole person. They treat you like a human, a f- beautiful. This is life growing inside of you. Like how I feel, it should be treated, and it's more sacred. So that's what mm-hmm. I was seeking. And what inspired you to change? I I think honestly. <laughs> Just the the first birth was, I I would say it was a version of birth trauma. It was traumatic. And postpartum was like, whoa, like what hit me? And the thyroid was like, okay, what's going on? Like I was, you know, in my early 30s and just had a lot of things happen. And then the fertility journey and doing IVF, I was like, all these things happen and nothing felt like it served me. So when I was, mm-hmm. I finally got pregnant again and I was like, I don't know. I just wanted it to be different, you know? And so I'm like, I'm kind of doing everything the opposite this time around. And now I have both, you know, stories and situations to kind of reflect upon. And it's not to say one is better than the other. I think I, I had to go through both in the way I did to sort of get to where I am and Mm -hmm. where we are as a family, but, and to be humbled a little bit, because no matter how much you prepare or what you go through, it still has this like energy of its own. It's going to like do what it wants anyway. Like however you end up getting pregnant or however you end up birthing, it's like, it's going to happen in its own amazingly create chaotic, like beautiful mess, but it's like, Mm -hmm. you can't control it. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. Well, did you find out the gender of your baby during pregnancy? 
Yes. Because I felt like waiting, you know, till 20 weeks or so is waiting enough. And we've never really been those like, oh, we'll just be surprised the day of. I think going through the birth was like enough for me that I'm like, I can't handle any more surprises. <laughs> so we found out and we, I think we're like marginally hopeful. It'd be like a girl. We'd have a boy and a girl. But once I, we knew it was a boy, I was like, you know what? I'm like... I'm, I, I want to be a boy mom. Like, I'm pretty cool with that. And now that he's here, I'm like, of course. Like, I, I would want it no other way. And so we found out it was going to be another boy. And I was like, well, we do still have some baby stuff. So that works out. Yeah. Will you take us back to that day in the doctor's, or I guess the midwife came to you? How did that happen? Right. So with a midwife, they don't typically do a ton of ultrasounds either. It's just less kind of screening. So we ended up going to just a clinic, like a local one that did ultrasounds. Mm -hmm. Just you could choose, I guess, but mainly just to find the sex out. It wasn't even really like a medical ultrasound. It was just to see if it was a boy or a girl. Mm. So we did that. And um, it was kind of like a, a strange thing because it was set up very like, not not sterile. It wasn't like a doctor's office. It was more like cozy, and they had like a teddy bear for my son that he could like put a heartbeat in. It's I don't know. They made it like this whole experience. But yeah, uh-huh. so we we went in, and you know you still lay on um like a little whatever bed thing they have, and they do you know the lower abdominal like scan, and they have this huge screen so you could see it like perfect and my son my older son was there and that's what we loved that we could include him because offices were still pretty stringent then too and I don't think he would have been allowed if it was the OB's office Mm -hmm. so he was able to come and um we're like all like oh let's what do you you gotta find out what you're having you're gonna be a big brother if it's you know and um we're all just like holding our breath for a minute and I I feel like like as parents kind of like oh I think I see something like even if you think you see something like yeah but it was kind of clear as day that there was something there (laughs) so she's like it's a boy I'm like I knew it but yeah we were all so excited and she like wrote um you could type on the screen thing and she printed it and it was like we love you baby boy it was really cute oh what a cute story yeah it was a nice way to do it yeah, I'm sure your son was pretty happy about that, too. He was, yep. <laughs> and he actually took... So that's what it was, now that I'm going back. So they put, they take the heartbeat, and they put it in the teddy bear. So it's like the, the embryo... Well, yeah, I guess it would be an embryo at the time. Like the baby's heartbeat in my belly, and then it's in the teddy bear as a recording. So that so was cute. Sweet. Yeah, and you get to that's keep really it. That's really cute. What... Was there any products that you couldn't live without that you would recommend that help you during pregnancy? I was obsessed with oil for my belly because with my first, I did oil the whole time and I didn't get a ton of stretch marks. And it's, that's not like, you know, neither here nor there. I feel like our stretch marks are like our, you know, our life marks of like what we've been through and how amazing our bodies are. But I did use a lot of oil, like even coconut oil or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I did every day. And then I didn't really do 
body pillows this time because like I said, I had less kind of aches and pains and my older son like stole all my big pillows. So I kind of had to like fight with him to get them back. I'm like, choose your battles. <laughs> so I didn't really have anything like that. Um, it's funny, the first time around, I bought like a whole new wardrobe and I actually still had a lot of the maternity. See, that's how much hope I had. I still had my maternity clothes in the attic. So I actually had everything and I didn't really have to buy a lot. But the one difference was, you know, going 10 years difference almost, there was kind of these old outdated jeans that I still had with the belly band. And I'm like, no, I'm not wearing jeans. So I got a lot more like maternity leggings this time around. So I'd say maternity leggings are a must. And then as far as like food or, or things like that, you know, a lot of a lot of people that have maybe like nausea or anything, I never really struggled too much with it. But I did ginger ale the first time around with my son. And this time, because I am healthier, I did just like ginger, like ginger mm-hmm. slices with like a little lime and salt and literally just eat the ginger and that like took care of any weird belly stuff. So I would say I didn't live without that. Like good water, filtered water, and ginger anytime my stomach felt weird because then you get all tight and don't have a lot of room after a while either. So those two things I couldn't live without either. Other than that, I would say the the birth ball really is nice to have because at the end, even if you're just doing circles on it, it can just be nice a nice way to like release the hips and just try to like let go of some tension or tightness from sitting and things like that helps your posture. So I would say those were my top ones. And how did you prepare for baby? Yeah, other than reading a ton of books, and I had read some like, you know, prior to being pregnant anyway, but I read a ton of books. I have a whole book list I give as resources to people, but I ended up doing, I don't know if you've ever heard of it's not hypnobirthing. It's like it. It's, oh, it's called Blissborn. It's oh, like similar to hypnobirthing, but it's called Blissborn Baby Hypnosis, something like that. And they have, you know, consultants all over. Mm-hmm. So I did that. My husband and I did that with a consultant friend that I know of. And I mean, now that we have social media, it wasn't as big with my first son. I do follow a ton of you know, like doula accounts and, and birth Mm -hmm. accounts, I'm sure like everyone. But one of my favorites to follow is the naked doula. Have you ever come across her? No, I don't think so. She's in the UK, but she's amazing. And she has an app and all these resources. And she's actually having her second like any day now. But she's all about getting rid of the stigmas. Like, don't you tell me I'm overdue. Don't you tell me my baby's too big. None of that stuff. Like, let's go with, obviously within reason, but our number's good. Does mom and baby feel good? Like, let's talk about what's really happening and not just go by, quote, stats and numbers, like statistics. Mm-hmm. I so I, that. yeah, I followed her. So I did a lot of like self-education alongside the Blissborn. I didn't do any formal childbirth because I kind of felt... I guess this is just my opinion, but I feel like the hospital way of birthing on your back and force breathing is like a bit outdated. And so I was kind of like, I don't want something that's just going to tell me what 
So like what I went through in my first birth, I felt like didn't serve me. So I was like, again, doing things differently. And I, I wanted to be more open to like being intuitive, listening to my body, like breathing. And obviously you still have to work hard, but mm-hmm. I didn't really want things like put in my head, you know, that I'd get stuck on if that made sense. Mm-hmm. So I sort of was picky about what I chose to take in. Yeah, I like that. I, I want to look up this hypnobirthing kind of thing. I like that yeah. idea. Yeah. And I will say when birth happens, like it just happens on its own and things just take over. You kind of leave your thinking mind, which you should. But I would say I probably didn't use as many tools as I thought I would. I kind of just, it just hmm. came. But I feel like it's a really cool thing to do as a couple. My husband and I got closer for it. And since he was pretty much my doula birth partner throughout, I feel like that is necessary anyway. So it's, I don't know, it serves like other purposes, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, I like that. And what about preparing your house? Yeah, we, um, so we, uh, we have two Boston Terriers. So we got the, them boarded the week. I was technically deuce. They were boarded mm-hmm. for like two weeks. I'm like, I just, I need control over some area of my life. <laughs> but we cleaned the house the best we could. We we had my son home just until we knew how it was going to go down. But then we had backup plans for like family to grab him if we needed. But I'm like, say you're sleeping and it sort of happens like, and then, you know, ideally you'd wake up and there's this baby brother that's in a perfect world and it almost did happen that way but I was like I'd love for him to be home but I'm like if I'm like in pain and struggling I don't want him to have to see that so we got the house ready I had kind of like affirmation type cards the naked doula has cards I had purchased those were all hanging I had these pretty lights um we had the water tub set up and yeah it was kind of like I literally envisioned it in my head and then we just made it a reality so it was set up exactly how I wanted it and it wasn't absolutely perfect but it was still home and that's sort of why they if you do look into home birth statistics this is where I'm like don't look at statistics but if you do they say because of how comfortable you are in your home atmosphere like your body's able to kind of relax and stay in that place longer So I would say I did experience that because I didn't have pain meds until transfer. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how well I would have done otherwise because I I was home. So yeah, it's it's a very, it's a strange thing because you try to make it perfect and predict things. But then again, it just happens. Yeah, you really can't. You can't. But you... gave birth at 41 weeks. So when did this preparation start? Yeah, so we started. So he was due June 7th, like the first week of June. So the end of May, I was like, I want the house ready. I want the dogs boarded. I just turned 40. I'm like, that's it. I'm 40. This is what's happening. And the baby's coming and no one's allowed over. I was kind of about like protecting energy, that whole Mm -hmm. thing. And then we we had this sort of week of like in limbo waiting around. So my husband, luckily, he, he works for himself. And um, 
he was able to be home just in case. And he kind of occupied our older one. And, you know, we have a pool and they were just sort of doing their thing. And I was like lounging on the deck in the sun. I'm like, I know I'm supposed to enjoy as much as I can, but this will be like the last time I'll be just laying around literally doing nothing (laughs) for a while. Yeah. So it's like two weeks of sort of in limbo. Yeah. And it did, it does get to you because there's only so much distraction you can do. And I ended up doing acupuncture like right at the very end before he ended up coming. And I think that really helps. Do you you think it helped progress labor? In my case, I'd done it with my first and Mm -hmm. the, with my first, I'd gone in, well, my water broke 24 hours after an acupuncture session. So this time I'm like, well, I could try and see if it's a similar sort of pattern. It didn't, my water didn't break. um, But about, I did two sessions this time. And then I think it was a day or two later, like the mucus plug started, like there were signs that started showing, you know, that things were Mm -hmm. beginning it's still like slow. But so for me, I would say it can help. First, it can help because you feel like you're doing something. You're like, mm-hmm. I'm going to acupuncture. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it helps the mind. And then physiologically, I think it can just help sort of keep like the flow in the body and the energy kind of moving. And whether it goes the next day or the next week, you'll never know for sure, but it's like, it's not going to slow it down or hurt it, in my opinion. Yeah. Did you plan to give birth in the pool? Or Yeah, bed? that was the plan. So it was set up in, on my first floor. So I really hadn't planned to be upstairs in case my son was here, just because I didn't want to disturb him. But so what ended up happening was, so it did happen just before like midnight, my son was asleep and we went downstairs. Like once things sort of got to a point of, okay, we can get in the tub now. Like they sort of like the birth team tries to have you sort of just like keep moving, keep kind of going through the motions until you feel like you're at a point of the water would help with like pain relief. So my plan was to just go in the tub and just let things happen in a, different way and then he would just come out (laughs) but again you know reality of like I don't know this so they say every time you have more people in the room like it changes the energy so you just have to be really conscientious about who you choose so I had other than my husband there was the midwife her apprentice I did hire a doula and there was a third midwife that came later, but so, you know, four people, five people total. And I'm a very like sensitive, empathetic person. So I think in, in retrospect, in hindsight, I've I've said this to my husband, I felt like if him and I were alone longer or we kept kind of doing what we were doing initially, we might've just, it may have been a little different because we were kind Mm -hmm. of cruising along at first. And I, every time I'd feel a a contraction or a rush I would just I was standing a lot but I would kind of lean into him and just kind of sway through it and he would just hold me and it was just like a really sweet connection with him and I and then I think when just more people came in it was kind of like oh what should we do and check like should we check anything and you know it just changes things yeah 
Um, but so I was in the tub for a bit and I was riding through, you know, some strong rushes and the doula was helpful where she helped me to like go through one without moving too much. So I could save my energy. Cause I kept wanting to be like upright and like just move when it would come, but she's like, you'll get more tired. So she helped me sort of like rest through those. And I got a hang of that. And then it's, it felt like things were shifting. And they do say that when right before it's like the final stage transition or whatever, I'm not as good with the terms, but that there is like this, this resting period. And I think I was there and, and I was sort of just like waiting for, you know, something else to sort of feel different. And that's when I got out, they, they recommended maybe getting out and lying, you know, on the floor. Oh, well, not the floor, but I had like a whole bedding set up downstairs. And so I did. And they, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess we could check on things. And um, the contractions got stronger because I was out of the water. But lying down for me, I guess, was like less grounding. And it just felt way more powerful. And they said, they were like, you're full, like fully dilated. I think I had, a, um, I forget what it's called, something with like the cervical lip thing where it's like not like everything's open, but one maybe side. So they're like, you, you, you are there. If you feel the urge to push, like you can try pushing here. And so I did do that for a little while and it seemed like things were going to happen. And, um, so this, there's one funny, there's always a funny story, right. To most things, but to a birth story, perhaps there's one funny thing. So we had the birth tub set up in the house for like a week and my son's, you know, an active boy and he was like jumping in and out of it. (laughs) So there was like this tiny little like hole in it that we didn't really realize until it was filled with water. And then it would slowly like, like deflate. And then the water would want to like pour out. (laughs) So my husband's like, he has a compressor and He's literally filling the tub with air like every 20 minutes. So it's like this nice sort of peaceful <laughs> atmosphere. And then he has to put the compressor oh, on. And it's like, you know, the sound it makes. And he's like working. He's already up helping me. And now he's working <laughs> on top of it. And we're like, you know, if that wasn't a factor, it might have been a little more relaxing. <laughs> yeah, air compressors are loud when they have to fill up too. Yeah. So needless to say, because things were progressing on the mattress outside of the tub and we were worried about the water like overflowing, the midwife told my husband, maybe we should just empty the tub now. It seems like she's doing good here. Let's just like not worry about that because she was worried that I'd be like crowning and then the tub would start like overflowing. (laughs) So he's like, okay. So he, he gets rid of the water, but in a way, we said in retrospect, if we had kept it filled, I probably could have gotten back in it because I kind of got to this like stuck place that it was very painful and I, I couldn't like go forward anymore. So it was like mm. progressing and then it wasn't. So maybe if the tub was full and I could have like gone back in and like rested or softened or opened, it would have happened. But either way, so that was sort of like the the shift in the direction it was going to go in at that point. (laughs) 
Oh, so we have a funny part of the story now. Yeah, that is funny. What prompted you to call the midwife at the at the beginning? Yeah, and this is where it's really tricky because the whole false labor thing, and they call it prodromal labor, which I never even mm-hmm. heard of until this baby. They're like, yeah, it might feel like, you know, the contractions are strong, but if, and they're like, now that's your second, we don't really go by the timing we do with a first. So even if it seems like they're closer together, it doesn't necessarily mean like anything's happening. And I'm like, okay, so I'm feeling things, but I'm not in labor. That's basically the message. (laughs) So that night, so I'd had like, I guess leading up to that night, I had like, oh, I'm feeling some you know, tightening, and then it would just literally, like, stop. So that I knew was, okay, it's not going anywhere, it has to continue. But that mm-hmm. night, it wasn't stopping. It was kind of becoming more frequent. And I, so I told my husband, I kind of feel like I want to take a warm bath, like, just to help, you know, take my mind off things and calm my nervous system and all that. So when he the frequency did increase it, I think to about four or five minutes. So when he saw how close they were getting and then I wanted to get in the tub and they weren't stopping, that's when Mm -hmm. he reached out to her and he was like, you know, it's not stopping as of now. We know it could, but it seems like it's like happening. So Mm -hmm. she like, they still, they'll still come and they're like, sometimes we come and then it, nothing happens and we leave. So mm-hmm. she, she just, they try to gauge it the best to be like, is it, is it real or not? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And when you got out of the tub and you said you were laboring a little bit, were you standing up at that point or laying down? At that point I was lying down. So I, we had set up these um, little mattresses with blankets and like uh, those pad things on the floor. Mm -hmm. So I had something like soft to lay on. I had been standing probably most of the night initially. And then in the tub, I was getting more restful. And then after the tub, I was lying. And it seemed to help more like side lying or rocking from one side to another. I get why you push on your back because it's easier for everyone to see. And sometimes you can like hold the legs. Like I get why, but unless you want to do that like it makes it longer and harder because the uterus and the baby are up and forward and you want to be more forward or up on a a leg open or whatever and I Mm -hmm. had tried all the positions but for whatever reason I think whatever position the baby's in I think will dictate it but he I just didn't feel like I tried a birth stool and that was awful for me so it didn't feel like anything was progressing so that's when I would like lie back down and then I would lay on my side or whatever. And I guess they had saw- seen his hair and everything. Like that's how close he was. So this is what happened. Like it was happening. They were like, let the tub go, you know, getting all the blanket things ready. And they're like, I need more pushes and he'll be on his way out. But I was getting like fatigued. It was painful And they're like, what if we just take a trip to the bath or maybe like just changing it up a little will help, you know, get things just to that next level. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. And like sometimes birthing on the toilet can help because it can relax the pelvic floor, all that stuff, because you feel like the same as when you need to use the restroom. So I'm 
you know, I go to the bathroom. I'm like, okay. And then we walk back and something had shifted. Like it's almost like he had gone back up and then just settled in my butt. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So it like felt different after that. And then he was not budging. And I don't know if I had like tightened up and constricted. And like I said, I was more fatigued then. And I was starting to become dehydrated. So that's the one thing. Some midwives can do like an IV, you know, for fluids. And they did have the setup for it. But when they attempted to get it in my arm, like I don't know if it was because of how dehydrated I was. It just wasn't take like my arm wasn't taking the, you know, IV or the needle. So they couldn't get fluids in me. And after I went to the bathroom that time with the shift of where his head was, I was unable to pee after that. So that's what dictated the transfer because I'm like, Mm. I can't pee and I'm dehydrated. Like, how is this going to (laughs) go? And they could empty, they could do a catheter and empty me, but I'm like, it just, something fell off where I'm like, I need to be able to pee. I need to be, be able to have fluids. Like, you know, just the basic needs. And I was also, I think, unknowingly thinking ahead of how am I going to take care of this new life if I'm so depleted. So I think I knew I needed to be taken care of. So we said, you know what, we'll just make the call. And um, we tried a few more things, you know, until we decided to go. But I, I was like, I just, at this point, I need fluids and I will take pain meds at this point because it, it really at that point now I'm saying it like it hurt really bad no it killed at that point and so at that point you were transferred yeah and my husband drove um me so we arranged for my son who luckily he slept the whole night didn't wake up once even though I was definitely making sounds early morning (laughs) so his uncle grabbed him so my husband arranged all that and this was kind of this in between where I was just riding through contractions like nothing was happening I just had to get through each rush and so my husband drove me and I was sitting on this like airplane donut pillow thing from like we wear around your neck (laughs) and it, it definitely was uncomfortable and it was like a 20 minute ride so not too bad but every contraction I felt like it was literally like my sacrum and it felt like a grinding feeling not to be all like, Oh, awful. But that's how it felt. And if, you know, if they're in that kind of place, it's not the best place to feel pain. So every contraction came and I just kind of had to like grip my teeth through it, but everyone's different. But in my experience, like I would have one contraction that was like, okay. And then the next one was like, like (laughs) not okay. Yeah. And about what time was this? So that was, so he had, when they were seeing his hair and all that, it was like 5 a.m. When all this went down, we went to the hospital around 10 a.m. Wow. And then they stabilized me. And this, it was like a movie in a way. They're like, wheelchair me in. Woman completely dilated in labor. Like, I guess I wanted a really good story. Luckily, they didn't treat me like crap for doing the home birth hospital birth thing. And I think it's because the relationship my midwife had, but I was kind of worried like, oh, this is where they're like, oh, you're so irresponsible. Like you try to have a baby at home, then you expect the hospital to like take care of you at the last minute, you know? But 
she has the relationship with them. She told them everything that had happened and, you know, that I was coming in in the state I was in and, and they were really great. And so I got into the room. I'm like, I just need fluids and an epidural. And I think we'll see. But I was, I think I was, I was really scared at that point because of how painful it was. And he really felt stuck that I was like, I don't even know, like, will I be able to push him out? Like, I was worried that it would have to go into other interventions. So they're like, let's just get you stabilized. And so they got me an epidural within, I'm trying to remember now, it was like within an hour, which is kind of unheard for. So it was pretty quick. And that kicked in, you know, right away. And I immediately, my breathing was like back to normal I was smiling again. Like my, my husband had worried at one point. He's like, you were, it looked like your lips are a little purple there. I'm like, well, I guess that's what dehydration and ner- like being in a trauma response will do. <laughs> but yeah, so I started like relaxing. And then, so at that point, the contractions were only like 20 minutes apart. So like they were first coming still like every five to 10 when I would have to grind through it. And then I think the epidural kind of calming my system down the fluids, they were about 20 minutes apart. And so this is about like noontime, say around then they're like, all right, we're going to come back in and we want you to start pushing. And I'm like, I can't push again. Like I I just pushed all morning. Like I have nothing left. (laughs) They're like, well, if you don't push, like you kind of, you have, you kind of have to, I'm like, okay, I'll try it. But if I can't, then we'll have to talk about other things, right? And they're like, yeah, but we want to see you try pushing because then we'll know what, what's going to happen. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, fine. So they let me rest just a little bit. Like I, I think I said, like, I can't in this moment. So they gave me like 30, 45 minutes or so. And they're like, we'll come back around 1, one fifteen. So they came back in. I was calmer. I was, re- I felt more ready. And what I liked about this delivery is there was less people. They kind of cultivated a little more of that quieter, intimate environment. I think the lights mm-hmm. were a little more dim than my first. Yeah. My first, there was a lot of people. It wasn't very, like, conducive to that, like, low-lit, you know. Yeah. What about the midwife? Did she leave? No. Luckily, because of the relationship they have, she was able to go till the very end. I'm so grateful oh, she was God. there because she kind of made sure everything happened like the way we had wanted it to at home. Like she just made mm-hmm. sure that they sort of kept that like goal in mind in the hospital. So she was there. So yeah, they were like, okay, you know, next time you feel the contraction, we'll do the breathing they do the forced breathing in the hospital but at this point you know I I was like whatever it takes to get him out yeah so they had me do a push and I was like oh okay it wasn't that bad this time because the the pain meds do work I'm like oh okay I think I can do this so I have like newfound like energy and hope <laughs> and I guess I pushed my first son at least four to five hours. I pushed this one about the same. So I guess I'm good at pushing. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to have this baby. I'm like, are you sure? I'm like, am I really? <laughs> they're like, yeah. So luckily, it was 115. Six pushes later, he was born at 142. I'm like, nice. Yeah. So I'm like, thank God I didn't have to like 
have anything else. It just worked out this time and it didn't last another five hours. And what about after he came out? Did you have any plans for the placenta or skin to skin? What did that look like? Yeah, so we did skin to skin right away. Luckily, we did that with my first son too. We delayed cord clamping till it was white. My So the placenta, I had wanted the encapsulation because I had read on the benefits and I figured you know what, have it encapsulated if I absolutely can't stand them, if they're gross or whatever. Oh, well, like, it's like, there's nothing to lose, right? Mm -hmm. So they let my midwife take the placenta in a cooler. And she the apprentice was the one that does the encapsulation encapsulation. So she was going to take it to her for me. So that they made so easy for for me. But as far as birthrights go like you you can tell the hospital what what you want to do with the placenta it's not their property um some people take it home and bury it like there's a lot of Mm -hmm. indigenous and cool things you can do i would just say whatever you decide just make sure it's an informed choice like don't let them tell you what to do try to find out first what you think feels aligned with yourself Mm mm-hmm so yeah, I got it encaps- encapsulated and I tried it and it's like any other kind of pill and I still mm-hmm. take it here and there and it's like not a big deal at all. Mm-hmm. And how was your recovery? I would say this time around was much better. I had, along with my own holistic health journey, I had like a practitioner that I paid for to help me give me like herbs and tonics and and things that I could use postpartum that were especially for postpartum. So mm-hmm. I kind of set that up to make sure that I didn't lose. Like, I think b- the first, with my first, I'd gotten depleted and nutrient deficient. I had also breastfed him for over a year. So I think I didn't know enough to support myself and I wasn't eating the best either. So this time I'm like, I can't let that happen. Like I need to keep my reserves up. So um, I would recommend anyone that's like interested in that, like to try to find like a holistic, someone who knows like postpartum health. But so this time I feel I was way more prepared. I took all my things and I noticed the days that I didn't take things I felt like different Um, So it definitely worked. And I had, you know, pretty good energy. I feel like we all struggle with energy throughout our lives. So it's like, I wasn't like, on, you know, top of a mountain cloud nine every day, but I was like, way more able to keep up and sustain like being a mom to two boys than I could have the first time when I was like, kind of struggling to get through a lot of days with my first mentally how were you that's a tough one honestly because you go through so much and Mm -hmm. I feel like this is where our culture needs to honor the mother a little bit more because it's still all about the baby Mm -hmm. but I I set things up where we did like meal trains and things like that so I had more help in that way but I will say I cried every day for at least three weeks and that's kind of normal because your hormones are leaving your body or fluctuating and breastfeeding like there's so much change so fast and you're usually not getting the best sleep 
But then after the three weeks, like I started to feel like, oh, okay, like, you know, I got a shower in, I or I ate a good meal or whatever, like little things like make you feel joy in that in that moment, because it's very like, it's a small world postpartum. So I think this is where I'd give advice that if you continue crying every day and it lasts months or you just kind of feel like this black cloud that lasts like that's where you can't really ignore it if you're crying every day and things start to look up that's that's kind of normal but this is where it's like ask for help but a lot of people don't have that help accessible or they don't have the village and there's kind of more now than when I had my first son but there's still a lot that in my opinion needs to change I kind of responded as expected this time around, but I still had days and struggles and we had to adjust as a family from three to four. And so there's all these dynamics of the family Mm -hmm. too. So it was a lot. It was a lot of big changes. Yeah. Were you able to breastfeed him also? Yes, I still am. And my goal is a year. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's one Luckily, that was one area we didn't have challenges in. And I know that is a struggle for many, but I'm like, hey, all the rest was hard. At least this was my piece that was a little easier. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yeah. How long did you take off from from working? Well, since I had resigned, so I'm technically stay at home now everyone's like, I don't use that term, like full-time mom. So I am still technically like on maternity leave, but I do, you know, my own little like yoga kind of holistic health side things. And that's just more, they come and go. It's like what, whatever I can get to and what I'm available for. But luckily my husband's able to support us fully right now until I have like future plans to you know, do things down the road when my, the little one's bigger. But yeah, I'm like, you know, I'm kind of just going to enjoy it this time around because the first time I went back at 16 weeks, which was still better than some, but it, to me, it was still too soon. And I'm like, I doubt I'll have more kids. I mean, it hasn't happened yet. I'm like, I'm in that fine place of like, should we be careful or not? But so I'm like, I'm just going to let enjoy this because it's probably the last time I'll be going through it. Mm-hmm. And what was your biggest challenge being pregnant in your 40s? It's It wasn't really a challenge, but I, I guess this from where I'm coming from, I feel like even though I'm pro-aging and healthy aging and all about aging gracefully, right? I do mm-hmm. feel like I'm running out of time. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I'm 40. My kid will be, you know, 10 and I'll be 50. Like, so I keep kind of thinking of like, it would have been nice if it was sooner, but I'm like, embrace, just embrace what happened. Right. But Mm -hmm. I just, I want to soak everything up because I know that it's, you know, not permanent. (laughs) Is there anything you'd recommend that would help prepare someone for pregnancy and birth in their 40s? Yeah. I would say find a movement practice, like whether it's yoga, the gym, CrossFit, kettlebells, like whatever it is that you're into running, like find something physical. And even if you only do five minutes a day or like, it doesn't have to be every day, but find something where you're moving and you're keeping active and it's not only good for your body, but your mind, but it will only 
help you in the birth and postpartum recovery. So I would say it's probably even more important if you're conceiving older. And what advice would you give yourself when you were pregnant if you could go back? I think I would probably like the the self-judgment, like try to just be go easy on yourself and that whole like self-compassion and don't be so hard on yourself. And I, I'm all about protecting energy and I'm kind of like, like motherhood and the whole transformation is so big. It's almost like going through puberty again. That's like the only way I can compare like the seriousness of it. So I guess my advice would be like, stick to your intuition if you feel strongly about something like just do it and stick by it and don't like second guess and doubt and be like oh I should just I shouldn't be like that or it's because I'm pregnant like yes you're pregnant that's amazing like you're allowed to be pregnant and be however you want and everyone else can like get on board Mm -hmm. and is there anything else you want to add think I guess over the past like six or seven years of healing I've kind of had this more things are possible mindset like not in a oh just manifest it you know positive vibes only way but in a things might have to shift and change or things might go away that you never would have predicted but it's only because it had to make room for you know, what was needed or what was to come next and what was the ultimate end goal that we just couldn't see at that time. So believe in possibility and just try to allow room for it. Mm -hmm. I love that. And tell us about your yoga and wellness and even your podcast. Where can we find you on the internet? Yeah, so I do, uh, my podcast is called Whole Woman Health and it's just something I'm, it's, I really enjoy talking with, you know, others like you and learning just about their lives, but it promotes you, you're already whole the way you are. So whole health, self-healing, you are your own ultimate healer. Try not to give your power away in any, whether it's thyroid diagnosis, pregnancy, birth, like you, you know, just tap back into that wisdom and then healthy aging. So I want to be around when my kids are married and have their own kids and be an active grandparent. And I think a lot of people are striving to age that way. So kind of that more aging gracefully lifestyle. Bethany, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your pregnancy story. What a great story. She never gave up hope. And I love how grounded she was in exactly the birth that she wanted. On next week's show, we have a fun one. We have Stephanie from episode two and Jackie from episode eight. They were both pregnant during the recording of their episode, and it's time we finish their story. I can't wait to share that one. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great week, and I will see you next Monday.